This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. The scene in London at the moment is very busy, especially around number 10 Downing Street. The Prime Minister, Rishi Sunak, who's been accused of weakness in his dealings with Suella Braverman, has finally grasped that particular nettle. She's been sacked, but sacked as part of what's termed a cabinet reshuffle. The other really big piece of news from that cabinet reshuffle, which is quite limited up to now, is that David Cameron, the former Tory Prime Minister, who called the Brexit referendum in 2016 and and was defeated, he was a Remainer, he returns to British government as Foreign Secretary. And James Cleverly, who was the Foreign Secretary, is moved to Braverman's previous job as Home Secretary. And we're joined now from London by Chris Johns. Chris, uh, former chief economist with the Bank of Ireland, now a, a respected commentator. Uh, Chris, this has been a very difficult weekend for Britain. Armistice Day uh, on Saturday and on Sunday, the laying of wreath by the king at the Cenotaph and simultaneously a Palestinian, pro-Palestinian march, which was estimated to have as many as 300,000 people on it. First of all, let me ask you, Chris, about this woman, Suella Braverman, who some people have compared with Enoch Powell, the notorious Tory cabinet minister who was sacked, in fact, for a racist speech he gave by Edward Heath back in the day, back in the 60s, actually. Uh, She has been likened to him in the provocative way she's spoken, not just about immigration, but also about people who are rough sleeping. And last week, she launched a savage attack on the Metropolitan Police in a major article for the Times, which she was obliged to run past the Prime Minister. He made some adjustments to the speech. She ignored him and went ahead. This is showing what, do you think? on behalf of Sunak. Well, uh, we'll come to Sunak <laughs> in a minute, but the, the comparison between Powell and Braverman, I think, is re- a really interesting one. Uh, one of the things that we know about the late Enoch Powell is that for all of the river of blood, yes. the Tiber foaming racist speeches that he made, was that two two main things to point out. One is that he was a deeply clever man. Yes, he was. But cleverness is no respecter of your opinions. You don't... 
you can still be very clever and a racist. Um, but the second thing to know about him was that when he made those speeches, he was speaking from both the head and the heart. He really believed that stuff. Yes. And we can describe the stuff that he believed in as vile, as many of us would do, but he was a true believer. Um, I'm not sure that either of those things are true about Suella Braverman. I'm not sure just whether she, she was in the same intellectual uh, no, she's camp as Enoch Powell. Yeah. Certainly people who, that know her, people who go back to when she was a practicing lawyer, certainly don't describe her in those terms. And I think it's a very open question as to how deeply she believes this ex increasingly inflammatory stuff that she, she has been coming out with. She's, there's no doubt that she is a hard right winger. Uh, in terms of her positioning in the, in the Tory party, and certainly believes some of this stuff. But the way in which she's been raising the volume, raising the temperature of the debate, uh, being increasingly inflammatory to the point where most people were beginning to speculate, as we did last week, Eamon, about whether or not she was actually inviting uh, Sunak to sack yes. her as part of a, a career move. And most political commentators had settled on the fact that, that the, the more recent version of Suella Bravman was not a true believer in this increasingly... Uh, really hard-line inflammatory stuff that she was coming out with, but it was really part of a ploy to, to succeed uh, Rishi Sunak. And it, it, I, th I thought that it had backfired last week uh, on a number of counts. Um, I'm not sure that it will lead to her becoming the, the next leader of the Tory party, but we shall see. One of the things that emerged last week was that there were a couple of gatherings on behalf of Suella, her backers, if you like, her supporters within the Tory party were gathering for these drinks parties and other ways of showing support and the number of people that were turning up were in single digits right so, so it seems to have backfired in terms of her support on the backbench she, she has supporters from the from the usual suspects shall we say but there aren't very many of them so i don't sense that there was that there was any great groundswell of opinion in the parliamentary party at least and there's also a sense in which i think that her appeal to the tory party at large these maybe 70 to 100,000 people who are card-carrying members of the party, it was assumed that these were the people that Suella was yes. appealing to. And even there, I think that uh, she, she, she went too far. And it was a misreading, in particular, of red wall voters. Yes. I think she, she assumed that the, the average red wall voter, the person that was once upon a time have voted Labour, now in, uh, in the last general election voted Tory, that this was the kind of stuff that appealed to them. And yeah, there may be elements of it. There may be parts of it that, that, uh, in focus groups would have sounded like this was, this was appealing to them. But I think in the round, people took a step back and looked at the, the obvious careerist maneuverings of this, this ex, now ex home secretary and said, nah, she, she really has gone too far. And, and so yes, uh, finally he, she has been sacked. Sunak should have sacked her earlier. But as, as again, as we discussed, he's just too weak, both in terms of having a backbone and in terms of exposing his flank to the right of the Tory party, which has been, a, you know, which is a problem that every Tory prime minister in, in history has faced. Um, Ken Clark, back in the day, described these people as crocodiles. John Major had a, uh, a slightly more lurid term for them. Um, he, if, if I'm allowed to swear, John Major refers yes. to them as, as his bastards. Yes. Uh, Ken Clark referred to them as crocodiles. And it was a very interesting metaphor because he said the problem with appeasing these people, which is what Sunak has been doing. Yes. And he said this years ago, did Ken Clark, that if you keep on feeding the crocodile, you're going down a canoe in a fast maneuvering 
moving river and you're feeding the crocodiles the meat that you've got stored, the supplies you've got stored in your canoe. And you keep feeding them to keep them at bay and you will keep them at bay until the food runs out. And when the food runs out, they will come for you. (laughs) And so it has proved that's exactly what has happened. And what we saw on Saturday, um, one consequence of uh, an inflammatory article that was published last Wednesday in the Times, and she was very critical of the police the Metropolitan Police, she said, when it came to these marches, favoured one set of marchers over the other. The one set of marchers, it was clear she was referring to, were the pro-Palestinian marchers, as opposed to what? And this brought onto the streets of London on Saturday an ugly sight of the police being attacked by Tommy Robinson, who is the notorious fascist leader of a fringe right-wing group, but they were out in force and they were attacking the police at the Cenotaph on Saturday. Uh, and it was very ugly stuff. It was indeed. And this is one a key area where she did um, really take take a step too far in inflaming the situation yes. to the point where she stands accused by many people of encouraging these ultra-right-wing demonstrations. Uh, she would, of course, deny that. Um, but, you know, the, the stuff that she came out with was definitely inflammatory enough. And you can understand why people say that she is, in a dotted line sort of way, directly responsible for, for some of those clashes. Because criticizing the police is not something that Tory, Tory home secretaries traditionally do. They don't ever do that. They, they, they work with the police. They are the party of law and order. And so it, 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 she became faintly ridiculous in, in the way in which she was criticizing the Metropolitan Police. Because that's not something that true blue Tories traditionally do, at least not in the way yes. that, that she was doing. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. There's also a Supreme Court case which will be adjudicated upon this coming Wednesday, which is to do with Rwanda and the policy she proposed for immigrants who were seeking asylum in Britain. And however they were coming across, mostly by small boats, uh, it appears that she enunciated her belief and she devised the policy that if they did get to Britain, they would be put on a plane at Heathrow Airport and sent to Rwanda. Now, this is a very strange policy. I think it's one of the strangest policies I've ever seen. But in the course of that campaign, which she subsequently uh, tried to put into law, she said that she had, a, and I quote, a dream of seeing a jumbo jet taking off full of people hoping to get immigrant status heading off to Rwanda. Now, that policy itself has gone to the Supreme Court and may be deemed illegal when they meet on Wednesday. The, the point of making th that reference is to show how low the Tory party has fallen. And also, it links into David Cameron, who was a moderate and who was desperate to remain in the European Union and is disliked by many leavers. And, of course, the, we know that the Prime Minister, who's just appointed him Foreign Secretary, is in fact an ardent lever. There's curious things happening. Is this party just falling apart? There are many curiosities to this. And Sunak, as a Brexiteer, appointing a bringing a Remainer prime ex-Prime Minister back as, I think he's going to be called Baron uh, David Cameron. Uh, yes, he has to go to the Lords because he hasn't been elected. He has to be appointed to the Lords. That's right. Yeah. And in the, in the many curiosities of this, it's only a convention that uh, a cabinet minister has to be a member of the uh, the House of Commons or the House of Lords. It's not actually a law or rule. It's just something that we follow conventionally. Many things are conventional rather than rules-based here in the UK, which is why you know people like Johnson are able to flout conventions in a way that yes. they, he wouldn't be able to if they were laws. But, um, but that that's that's an aside. The Supreme Court decision that will be announced on Wednesday is is also very curious and interesting in the context of Suella Braffin because it was being written up before she was sacked that their decision could be the final thing that makes or breaks her. And that if they decide that her policy was legal, for example, a lot of people were saying this could resurrect her career. So it's yes. interesting that Sunak has moved before this decision right. to get rid of her. The 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 decision to, uh, if the Supreme Court decides that it's still illegal for uh, them to be sent, for the refugees to be sent to Rwanda, this actually has a, 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 an Irish dimension, Eamon, because one of the things that it was thought that she was likely to do would be to press very hard for Sunak to pull Britain out of the European Convention on Human Rights. Yes. And if that happens, that's the Windsor Agreement, which is the one that governs uh, the, the, yes. the border in the Irish Sea, all that stuff. That would The Windsor Agreement would instantly, in European eyes at least, become toast. And so, so they were, that dimension was had the potential to be very dramatic for Ireland. Cameron, as Foreign Secretary, one would assume he is the classic. I mean, he's being referred to all over the media this morning as the ultimate centrist dad. Um, he is un most unlikely 
to uh, be uh, to have that attitude towards the European Convention on Human Rights that Bravman would have had. So, if the small boats decision doesn't go the way of um, the government, how Cameron handles this will be very interesting because he he is a centrist. Um, he is a Europe, Europhile. He was and presumably still is a Remainer. So that's going to be the first thing he's going to have to deal with, whichever way it goes. On Wednesday, he's got a very, very full agenda. Because if you think the foreign policy agenda includes Ukraine, Israel, yes, uh, relationships, perhaps th- uh, this time next year with Donald Trump, I mean, it's 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 a, a, a very big deal, and it is widely thought, I think, that. Uh, Given that very full foreign policy agenda that the government has, this leaves Sunak free to deal with the election, quite frankly. that, that we, Sunak's time will now be spent on purely domestic issues designed to get the um, get the election underway. In a way, I suppose this, this reshuffle fires the starting gun on, on what is going to be quite a long election campaign. We don't know when the election is going to be, but it will be sometime almost certainly next year, possibly in the spring. Well, it has to be by January twenty. 20- 25. Yeah, which means um, that it so has the, to be. So the clock will certainly yeah. be ticking uh, this yeah. time next year. Yeah. Just one thing to say about Cameron. He did, um, as Prime Minister, formally, he went to Derry and formally apologised for Bloody Sunday, which was something that had not been done by uh, any previous government. Not to say that that was the be-all and end-all of what happened in that, on that particular day when crimes were committed by British paratroopers. But he did go there. It was a big moment for the people of Derry in some respects. Just to go back a little now, Chris, to where the Tory party is, essentially. Is it now a party that is flailing around? I mean, to to bring David Cameron in, as you say, a centrist a moderate, really, and get rid of Suella Braverman, who's borderline dangerous, really, as we saw on Saturday. It doesn't look as if Sunak has any principles. Yeah, I'm not sure that, <laughs> that I'm not <laughs> sure that he does. Yeah, no, but, but Cameron, of course, it, it, you could spin this in so many different ways. It's that curious. You could say that it is the last dying throes of a government that really should have gone a long time ago. And Sunak doesn't know what he's doing. Um, he's flailing around. He's brought back a Remainer into a party that is supposed to be, you know, hardline Brexiteers these days. He's Former leader. Back, he's brought back a centrist at yes. a time when the party is is becoming more and more extreme. Uh, he, all of these things suggest are strongly suggestive of uh, Sunak not knowing what he's doing and just flailing, as you say. There is another interpretation, however, which is that it is quite a clever move. And I'll just run through the argument to see what you think. It's clever in a number of respects, possibly. First of all, we're talking mostly now about David Cameron and not Suella Bravman, because I think Suella yes. Bravman was seen as some, even by the, a lot of people in the Tory party, as I hinted at earlier on, that her approach had become somewhat toxic yes. and w- was not appealing to the electorate. Yeah, people uh, sleeping in, in tents on the street. All that she stuff. believed was a life, or were exercising yeah. a lifestyle, a lifestyle and choice. She'd, she'd gone too far and was now starting to turn people off, even her erstwhile supporters, even yes. the people in focus groups who might have hinted that they they thought that the, some of these policies were a good idea. She just took it all too far. But the choice of Cameron, I think it's clever because it it does mean that we're talking about him rather than her. I think that 
Cameron appeals to a certain segment of the electorate that the Tory party hasn't appealed to for ages, and that's the Blue Wall, the southern English, Surrey, yes. home counties dwelling yes. Tory, that quite frankly looks and sounds like Cameron. Yes. Uh, they've missed that sort of person. So that's quite clever. Um, I think that uh, it, it's a good signal to Europe, because although Cameron is responsible for Brexit, um, Europe will actually like the idea that there's somebody with some uh, track record of leadership, of gravitas. He actually knows everybody out there. He has met Biden multiple yes. times. He knows Netanyahu. He's met Putin. Um, yes, I'm, I'm not. Sure, I'm not sure that Sunak has. So he he actually knows all the players. He knows Xi Jinping of China. So there is a certain gravitas experience thing being brought to bear. And as I say, the blue wall thing is one of the most interesting things because they were very, and probably still are, very vulnerable in the south of England, the Tory party. And now that they've got somebody there who, um, it's the first person, first prime minister to come back into office since Alec Douglas Hume, actually. Yeah. Um, and they don't, they don't even normally give these prime ministers um, peerages. I think the last one was Margaret Thatcher, actually. So I think that you can see what what his think what Sunak's thinking is, but it can be spun either way. Yeah, so for and me it that, should uh, be said. Sorry, Chris, I don't go mean on. to. Well, it just uh, that Cameron himself has had a scandal to deal with in the not too distant past. Um, yeah, it depends how much the past is going to matter to the, to the British electorate. This is all now very much about what it means for the next general election, and does this. Uh, return of the centrist dad mean that the Tory party is more appealing uh, is in, in the sense that it, it is now clearly slightly less extremist than it was. Are you going to focus on that kind of thinking or are you going to look back, as I might do, at the various things that have Cameron's fingerprints all over them? You, 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 you have Brexit, of course, at, first and foremost. He's, he's the one that called the Brexit referendum to try and rescue, God love him, the Tory party. And, and heal its divisions. And of course, he, he didn't even achieve that, even though he, Brexit was delivered. Um, Syria was handed over to the Russians by Western policy, and Cameron's fingerprints were all over that. That's going back a long while now, and um, not many people might remember that. But as an economist, I would tell you, the thing that Cameron is responsible for, um, as, you know, as equally at fault for, if you like, as the Brexit thing, is uh, the state of the British economy today in 2023. And the links between that economy, which is moribund, which is just, you know, flatlining yes. year after year, and austerity. He and his chancellor, George Osborne, in 2010, yes. came to office and decided, without actually asking the electorate if they thought it was a good idea, that they were going to shrink the size of the British state and imposed from an economic perspective, a nonsensical po series of policies, all labelled austerity, which denuded the public sector of the resources that it needs and has led to a lot of public sector services, not least the NHS, but many other public sector services, frankly, falling over. And, and they are all in crisis. And that can be pinned on him and his chancellor. So it depends whether you think people are going to remember that kind of stuff or whether they're going to see centrist ad from Notting Hill appealing to Southern English voters. And I think, th I think that question is open, actually. Yeah, centrist ad is also an old Etonian, as is Boris Johnson, who seems like a, a figure from the distant past. But you wonder what this mess and even with the changes, it's a mess. I mean, James Cleverly, for example, who's gone into the Home Office, was the Foreign Secretary. 
and deemed to be doing quite a good job of it, actually. Yeah, um, he doesn't look the cleverest uh, or the brightest bulb on the tree. He says public, very little. Public, public schoolboy, but didn't go to Oxford. Yeah, I think he went. He, he went. <laughs> it's he great. Went. It's, a, it's a great system in Britain, isn't it? Like the way you keep the score. Public schoolboy, but didn't go to Oxford means. Yes, you see, what, what dummy. the way in which the middle and upper classes in England organise their children's lives is that Eton and uh, other elite schools. Sunak went to Winchester. He's an old Wickhamist. These things are very important. Yes. To the English, to, to anybody else, they don't make, make any sense whatsoever. But the route to power, money, and all those great things are through these great uh, institutions, the, the, the elite private schools, and either Oxford or Cambridge, usually Oxford, quite frankly. Um, cleverly didn't. He went to the army, um, um, which, which, which is a sort of... Uh, uh, he didn't live up to his name, shall we say, because yes. that, that's where the, if you can't get them into Oxbridge, that's the second place that the, the upper middle classes traditionally send their sons is into the army. Right. And now, is there any way, Chris, their divisions over the Israel-Palestine situation notwithstanding, is there any way that Labour cannot be the next government of the United Kingdom? Well, as a, another prime minister once said, events, dear boy, events. Yeah, there are that all was Harold Macmillan. Macmillan, mm -hmm. that's right. Um, Sunak, the, as early as this week, is going to be on the airwaves later on, I think after Tuesday or Wednesday, not trumpeting the decision of the Supreme Court, but the fact that he will have, we think, we're not sure, reached one of his five targets which is inflation coming down below 5%. Right. There's a good chance he'll get that this week. Might not. The, the UK has a horrible habit of springing nasty economic surprises. But economists' best guess is that Sunak is going to be saying, look, I have met my inflation target. So things are going to go his way. There is talk that in the autumn statement, he's kept Jeremy Hunt in place as chancellor, which suggests that he's happy with the performance of Jeremy Hunt and the fact that the room is opening up for potentially some tax cuts. It's nuts. They don't actually have the money for them. But in the funny money arithmetic way that they calculate yes. these things, it just means they'll be borrowing a bit more than they would otherwise have done. We're not like you, Eamon. In your country, you have a row about how you're going to spend your surpluses. In this country, we row about how we're going to spend our deficits, which, yes. is, which is quite weird, a weird way of doing economic policy. So things, things are going to develop. I think Sunak is betting heavily that over the next 12 months, the economic news flow is going to get better or at the very least stop getting worse. It's a big bet. Um, he may be right. Um, I think he's going to be right on the inflation front, at least. So I, I, I think that it's going to get harder for Labour from here. Um, I would say that at the moment, uh, they're not... If they, clearly, if the election was held today, they would win. Um, uh, and I would see their lead in the polls shrinking somewhat. It's going to be really interesting to see polls over the next few days in the wake of this Cameron move and to see in particular how that southern English home counties dwelling voter uh, responds to all of this. There was an opinion. Cameron, Cameron's got form in this regard. In Back in 2017, 2018, he said to a friend who instantly leaked it to the press, some friend, that he was bored witless. He didn't actually say yes. witless, but he said something that rhymes with it, and that he wanted to make a comeback in politics. So YouGov did a poll, 
and the vast majority of the British people said, no, don't bring him back. Really? So, yeah. so, so th- there, th- that's old evidence now. So we'll see, see how people respond. So you can see Sunak perhaps, and I'm struggling to, to, to make this case, but just in, you know, just in, on the grounds of presenting the other point of view, which is that it, this is a clever move. He may get a little bit of a bounce in the polls from it. I don't, I do not think that, the, that he is capable of closing the, 20 plus percentage point gap in the opinion polls between him and Keir Starmer. Um, uh, no, I don't think it will be enough, but it's, it, it makes that election much more interesting than perhaps it was otherwise going to be. Yeah. There's another element to this, Chris. It's kind of sexist element in a way. So Ella Braverman gone, Pretty Patel gone, Nadine Doris gone. These three women of I mean, Pretty Patel wouldn't have been politically too distant from Braverman. What makes Braverman, and of course Liz Truss gone. So that's, mm. that's four women savaged. Not that uh, Suella Braverman and Liz Truss and indeed Pretty Patel were particularly endearing people, but it, it's another man for a woman. It is. They've, they Sunak saw... was a man, a prime minister for a woman prime minister and the Tory party in general. It does seem, Chris, to be incapable of governing or incapable even of masking these terrible divisions uh, and some, in the case of some of them, dreadful mediocrity. Uh, absolutely. And what another aspect of the whole Cameron thing is that is what does it say about the quality of the parliamentary conservative yeah. party? That he has to bring in somebody from the outside yes. to, to fulfill that role. I think that you could easily spin that as saying that Sunak has said, look, I don't even have a bunch of second raters to go fishing in. You know, the, yeah. at best, I've got third raters and that the, the, the cabinet has to be beefed up with some, some weight in some intellectual political heft. Yes. Um, which just isn't present on the conservative backbenches. As you and I have talked about many times, the quality of these people is, is so depressing. And um, he, you know, uh, Thatcher had, had, you know, her Willy White laws and a whole host of, of whether you love them or loathe them, political and intellectual heavyweights. Sunak does, <laughs> does, does not have that. She famously said of Willy White law that everyone needs a Willy. Did she you? did indeed. Yeah. <laughs> Which was a reference really that, that Willy was unflappable. Yes. He had no particular ambition and he served her well. In, I'm not sure what office he had now. I, I don't have it in front of me. Um, but he had several. He had several, but he, he was inclined to say to her, Margaret, yes, <laughs> or Margaret, calm down. Yes, and indeed. One wonders from this bunch who will be Sunak's Willie. Indeed. Is that, yeah, the, is that it, an, an inappropriate way uh, to end an interesting conversation? This is the guy that has his fingerprints on uh, Russia getting involved in Syria and the West yes. leaving and causing that debacle, austerity, Brexit. And, of course, we haven't mentioned that the this, the lobbying scandal, yes, the company I, that he was involved with, that involved him taking hundreds of thousands of pounds, potentially millions of pounds if the share options had paid out, but they didn't because it all went belly up, as we know, in taking an office in, in, in Whitehall, and lobbying on behalf of this company in a way that an ex-prime minister shouldn't. It was very undignified at best and right. very dodgy at worst. So 
what people are going to focus on, I don't know. Um, you can probably tell the, the aspects of David Cameron's history that I think are important. But I do think that we need to remind ourselves that, that uh, a lot of people in England, in the south of England, are going to look at David Cameron and say, finally, the Tory party has got somebody back in a senior position that looks and sounds like me. Right. Um, and it was the Green Sill scandal That's right. that uh, you were referring to, Chris. I'm very grateful to you for joining us at short notice from London on a day that has seen a lot of turbulence and we haven't reached midday yet. But thank you very much indeed, Chris. Chris, of course, is a very respected commentator now and he is in a city that is appears to be with a government that is falling apart. And we're grateful, very grateful to Chris, to all of you for listening. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.